Hello and welcome to episode 74 of the Fuel Hotel Marketing Podcast. I am your host, Stuart Butler, joined today with the dynamic duo of Phil Fariska. Hey, everybody. And Peter DeMeo. Hey, everybody. Welcome back. And there's no ladies present today. The, no, this is the all-male episode. Yeah, so we can do what men do, right? Which is talk about women and drink beer and scratch ourselves. And that's what women think. <laughs> I think that's what women think men do when there's no women around. Probably. But I can guarantee you there will be no scratching of ourselves today. At least for my part. I don't know if I can speak for Pete. Speak for yourself. But we're going to be talking a lot about um, TripAdvisor today. The good, the bad, and the ugly. There's a lot going on with TripAdvisor. And we're going to dig into some of that today. Um, News of restructuring, news of new ad units. uh, A whole lot going on. Some of which is good and, and probably long overdue. Some of which still concerns us. We may get on a plinth. We may get a little ranty. Who knows? But um, before we kick off, I do want to shout out to Misha and Melissa. They're both in Charleston this weekend. They're running the Charleston Half Marathon. So good luck to good luck, ladies. both of those. You are going to crush it. You have trained and prepared, and we know that you're going to do great. Are we going to put bets on where they come in? I'm going first and second place. Yeah, I think they're going to skin everyone else. Probably yeah. even like overall, not just the female category. Yeah. They're probably going to beat everyone. Mate, most likely. The first time I did a race, you know, being a runner as well, my kids were like confused, right? Because when you're not a runner, you don't get that you're just really trying to not die on a, something like a half marathon. <laughs> so, like, my kids legitimately were confused when they asked me what where did I finish, like thinking I was going to be like in the top five or ten, and I'm like at like probably six hundred out of two thousand. I don't, I don't really know, but they don't get the the point of competing. But not really competing. Right? Oh no! Competing and they're they're going to think that their dad is going to be the best yeah. guy out there yeah. every time. Yeah, that was, guys, that was shattered that cold yeah. morning. Yeah. Way to go! Yeah, to shatter your kids' dreams of you dreams. being the hero. That's right. No, but yeah, we run to not to not die in those kind of races. And really, I run so I can eat more and drink more. That's I mean, just counteracting the fun. That's exactly right. Here, here. But you are not here to hear listen about that. If you're tuning in for the first time, we talk a lot about hotel marketing. But before we get into that. We typically go into the newsies. So what's going on in those, Pete? All right. So the first one we have today, this comes to us from AdAge, and it's pretty interesting. It says, Google's search domination is eroding because of Amazon and various apps people are using to search. I'm sorry, Pete. That's rude of me. How about you continue I, while I turn off my phone? You always have to be on airplane mode. I know. Anyway, what we found was pretty interesting is if you look at the Google market share in search, they had 88% of the search market share in 2011. As of the end of 2016, they don't have 2017 numbers yet, it was at 78%. So they lost a full 10% of market share, and it was primarily due right now to Amazon and people opting to use the Amazon app or Amazon specifically for their initial product shopping moments versus they used to go do a Google search for whatever it might be. Now customers are all trained to go right to Amazon and start that process. Well, I, I mean, I'll say I'll do that myself. Yeah. Um, if I'm shopping for something specific now that I have Prime, it's easy. I'm just going to search for it on Amazon because I know that's where I'm going to end up buying it. 
Right. I don't need to do, do you, a bunch of Do you of use the app or the website? I use the website. Really? Mm-hmm. Dude. I always have my laptop on me, so I don't, I don't know. Do you buy on, with your laptop, not with your mobile? Mm-hmm. Like, I really don't remember the last time I purchased something on Amazon on my desktop. Yeah. I'm old school, I guess. Yeah, I guess so. I, I live on the app. Do yeah. Okay. That, dude, yeah. it's, it's frictionless, so does, man. So does my it's wife. Like, yeah. Well, it, yeah. Kim and I were talking about you know, Christmas shopping this year. And I think we only used a true old-fashioned computer one or two times for all of our Christmas shopping. Everything else was either on a phone or a tablet. Yeah, and it, it, it doesn't surprise me. Amazon has done such a phenomenal job of just creating a marketplace for pretty much any pro- product you want, other than kind of specialized products you can't get on there. It, it's where I start, and that's different. It definitely, for me, has shifted. I used to start most things researching on Google, and now I, I think like this data bears out, most people are beginning to shift for certain products. But there's other verticals that you're searching. If you're trying to answer a question you're still going to go for Google. If you're trying to do research, you're still going to go to Google. But, you know, if you look at the travel industry, that's why OTAs are dominant. You know, either they're going to Google and ending up on an OTA or they found an OTA or a trip advisor that they really like. That's where they start their journey. Or they like their Expedia points and they know they're going right there, that kind of thing. Exactly. So, I mean, we're always going to see shifts in consumer behavior. It's about understanding why the shifts are happening and seeing if you can take advantage of that. And, you know, why is Amazon won this? Because they've created a great experience for guests that is so frictionless, especially on the mobile app where you really just click, 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 Mm -hmm. done. Um, It's just a no-brainer. So that's the methodology you have to apply to your marketing, to your hotel website. Mm. And I'll add this too. I would love to see Amazon's data on mobile versus desktop purchases. I don't know if it's 50-50 or, or which way it sways, but I guarantee you that it's increasing on mobile significantly as a percentage uh, at a very rapid rate. Because we're seeing that on the hotel side. We're very, very close to the second mobile tipping point with hotels. We've already passed it a couple of years ago on traffic we're really, really close to passing it on total bookings. I think we're, we're doing some, some research right now. Melissa's pulling some numbers so we can kind of project out on for our clients when that's going to be. But I, I think it's going to be within the next year or two that we're going to see that second tipping point where more bookings are coming from mobile. In overall, more bookings are coming from mobile than they are on And desktop. you're starting to see hints of it already. You, know, you may have one great month where mobile is done phenomenally and other ones not quite so well. But you're starting to see it where you're seeing 30% or more on an ongoing basis. Yeah, and I mean, you'll see it in different properties, right? Some will be more consistently mm-hmm. mobile than desktop. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've said with my clients, I feel like what I see is the lower income demographic properties tend to do better on mobile, which is interesting. We saw the same thing with the first mobile tipping point, which was traffic, which hit you know end of 2014. We saw the same thing, the, the early... The leaders in mobile traffic adoption were the the hotels that targeted low-income families or lower-income families relatively, and we're seeing the same with bookings. And the ones of my clients that have hit that tipping point on certain months where more than 50% of bookings was on mobile, again, it's the same ones. They, they just And I don't know what that is, if it's just that those folks only rely on their, their mobile devices. They don't have desktops and laptops at home. I don't know the rationale. I just see the data tells me that that's what's happening all right what's next in the newsies next is uh from search engine land found out that google will be getting rid of their uh 
third-party review extension. So these were never really easy to use in the first place. Uh, they were very tough to get approved. And the worst part for hoteliers, at least that I found, was you had to use a third party. So you're using Better Business Bureau or TripAdvisor. A lot of people were using TripAdvisor. Like I said, it's tough to get approved. And then if someone actually clicked on it, they're ending up on TripAdvisor. So you just paid to send someone to TripAdvisor instead of to your own site. So we never found it very useful. Uh, we didn't use it very much after we kind of tested it out when they first launched it. But um, Well, you think that's why they're phasing it yeah, out? Yeah, I think people so. people didn't really use it. Well, I, I, I mean, I think that a lot of it has to do with people didn't use it. Why would anyone really want that? Mm -hmm. And then, you know, secondarily, they didn't approve anything. They, yeah. they wouldn't approve a... I remember trying it a few times, testing it for a few clients where we're putting the legit, good, most recent review into this into this extension, and it would get disapproved, and no real reason why. I mean, it was yeah. so vague that why they disapproved it. Yeah, but Google's so deliberate in in what they remove and add, and it it fluctuates all the time. So I wonder if this is you know a stepping stone. They're phasing this out to bring something else in. If they've you know, either pulling in their own reviews or they have some kind of third party that they're going to start. Well, that's where I was thinking it was going to go. I mean, Google's reviews have gotten better and better, and they're promoting them more and more aggressively. You, know, at some point, you got to say, "Do I really want the competition?" Well, it would make way more sense for them to, instead of using third party, use their own, drag them into the hotel ads interface, yep. and let someone book through. They make more money there too, so right. you, you know you can get the ad click and then the hotel. I mean. They could yeah but you know here's the problem with that i i think google has always been you need to make people when they click on something they should get what they expect to get right and if i'm looking at an ad for a property and the url says the property's domain and the, the ad copy is book direct or official site or whatever why would it when i click on the stars or the reviews go somewhere else you know that that's not a logical that's not what i'm assuming is going to happen like it to me Use the data that Google has to show that it's a five-star property or whatever it is. But that, that whole element, that whole ad to me should still go to to the property site unless there's a call out that says view Google reviews or something like that that's very mm -hmm. specific and overt about what they're going to get, what's going to happen when they click. Because Google hates it when the hotel websites do that, when they you know dupe people into clicking something that does something sure. they're not expecting well they also, they don't listen to their own rules a lot so <laughs> they like the our rules, parents yeah. right? do as i say not as i do 100 percent is the case yeah don't put ads above the fold that's all you guys do <laughs> but, but but google something is afoot in, in google land they're getting ready to do some big changes we're hearing rumblings about you know with gha look at google hotel ads that you know, someone from Google let it slip at a conference recently. We talked about this a few weeks ago. That they were going to roll Google hotel ads into AdWords. Now we've heard from ad Google reps that's not the case. That they're coming out with something else. Yeah. So it's going to essentially what they're going to do is make the hotel ads platform as it stands today more like AdWords. So the functionalities, the you know, the bid options. It's going to end up being more like an AdWords. And he sort of hinted that. In the second part of the year, we might see it actually roll into AdWords itself. Yeah, um, that seems like the the wording he used made it seem like it was farther down the road. Yeah. But they're we being very see cagey. They like, they really are. You know, so so that usually means when they get to this point, it usually means something's imminent. So I really feel like within the next thirty to sixty days, 
we're going to see some major changes on GHA. I think so. I Set think your so. clocks, right? Something's mm. happening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know if setting your clocks really has an impact on set it, my but you can. by Google. I think that's the end of March when we no. change our clocks. No, we don't have a countdown timer for 60 days. Oh, we can do that. Let's start it now. Right. <laughs> Go. All right. Uh, so that's it for the newsies. So let's move into our topic. So Pete, we're going to be talking about TripAdvisor. Why, you know, some of the shenanigans that are going on. And we're going to look at it from a couple of perspectives. One is that you wrote a really, really good blog post about some of the new advertising or a new advertising option on it. And then, then Skift had this article this week talking about how they're getting ready to just blow up the hotel division and completely restructure it. So where do, you, where do you want to start? Yeah, so Google's not the only place where strange things are afoot. We're definitely seeing it on TripAdvisor as well. And over the probably the past 30 days, we've seen just a slew of changes coming in on TripAdvisor that is really going to have a big impact on you know a marketer's you know bottom line and how they manage that program. The first thing that we saw, and this started being notified, or customers were started getting notified in early to mid-December about the ability to create a brand new position on TripAdvisor results page called sponsored positions. So kind of give you an idea of where these appear. Imagine if you type in your destination term. So let's just say Myrtle Beach, South Carolina hotels. It's going to typically have a list of all the hotels in Myrtle Beach, starting with typically they've been doing best value. Yeah, that's the most recent is listing by best value. Yeah. So it's going to be best value number one, two, three, four, five, or you could switch over to traveler rankings and see one, two, three, four, five, all the way down the line. Well, the new sponsor positions allows anybody to bid just like a Google PPC campaign to be at that top position. There's a couple things that are pretty interesting about that though. And the first thing is you do not see that property's overall rank within the location. So what you'll see is that they have a four and a half dot ranking on TripAdvisor, but you don't know if they're the number one property or the number 30 or 40 property. Yeah, typically that would just show the, the number out of however many hotels in the area, but that's completely wiped out when you have on the sponsored ad there. Mm-hmm. You can still see the dot rating, but the actual number... It has to be, right? Because yeah. you don't, they don't want to show the 212th out of 213 there i mean they will show it if you're paying them but they, they don't want people to realize that right and we we talked about this a couple of weeks ago and kind of got into our our opinions and i think one of you guys brought up a really good point about you know this this makes sense in certain cases if you're a terrible property it, it doesn't make sense you're just kind of wasting money but if if you're a new property or you unbranded or change brand it's probably a good way to get some some good exposure or if you're if you're you've sorted out some operational issues and you want to start to get some more attention as your rankings increase, it, it's not bad. But we, we've been experimenting with this, right? Yeah, so we've taken two individual properties and have them running on sponsored positions right now. And you, the way we looked at this was if you are a property, you're not necessarily on the first page. You might be in a, have a great ranking, but if you're not within a top 20 or 30, you're not showing up for customers who don't know about that destination. So it's an awesome opportunity to get there front and center. So we looked at different properties who were in that 30, number 30 ranking. In, 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 a, de- destination in a destination of like 200 plus hotels, right? Right. So a big destination. Yeah. So you're looking at properties who have, say, a four and a half dot uh, 
traveler ranking, but they're not even cracking the first page on the results, putting them at the top and seeing what happens. And in, in doing that, we definitely see that it does drive more traffic to their profile page, but that's really where I think some of the, the tracking starts to fall apart. Yeah, so that, that's one of the things, one of the caveats about this ad unit. It's you're paying to get people to your profile page on TripAdvisor. You're not paying to get them to your booking engine or to your instant book within TripAdvisor. It's, it's, you're paying for them to essentially eliminate some of the other competitors, property competitors, but they're still exposed to Expedia and Booking.com and mm-hmm. whoever's doing the TripConnect or the instant booking if it's not you. Right. So that's probably one of the very first things that I think with this program, you have to be ready to, to address. One is you never start a sponsored position campaign without making sure that you're not first making sure that you have your rate parity issues sorted out. You always have to have the best rate. And two, you have to be make sure that you are showing and showing at the top of the Trip Connect program as well. Yeah, yeah you so, better be within those first three positions there when someone hits your profile page. Right. And preferably on Instant Book as well. You know, you right. want to be both. So you have both swipes. Because mm-hmm. what's going to end up happening, and you know, we've actually talked to people who are interested in trying this, and you have to give them a little bit of pushback because we can't have you saying, oh, I'm going to pay upwards of $2, in some cases $2.15 for a click from a sponsored position into your TripAdvisor profile page only to then lose that to an OTA who's going to charge you 15, 20% plus in commissions. Or best case scenario, you pay that $2, they go to your profile page, click on your TripConnect meta search and pay another couple of dollars. So now mm-hmm. you're, you're essentially double paying for the same person. Right. Which, I mean, the math just doesn't hold up. Might not be the same person. That, that's a little unfair because if they came because you were in that first spot, I, I can, no, I'm I saying that, that you're paying twice because they're oh yeah cl- they're clicking you're on the ad and then twice. they're clicking on the medicine. Yeah, you're let's say that paying. the uh, sponsored position is two bucks and you're paying a dollar fifty for the Trip Connect listing. Right, you're going to be paying three fifty to get that person to to see. Now it's rate. someone you might not have had, so you're paying a little bit more to get someone you might not have had. Is the way I right. see it. For sure, but you've got to look at your ROI from that perspective. Your and that's R- the worst ROI part about calculation it, right? is the combined cost. Yeah, now we're adding a whole a whole bunch extra costs to this program where we're probably going to get around the same amount of money, maybe a little more depending on the traffic sponsor brings in, but well, what you just brought up was my biggest problem with this whole program is from a reporting perspective, the reporting starts with how many clicks and ends with how many clicks you've gotten. <laughs> it doesn't tell you what they've done and if you're running a trip connect program instant uh, book program, whatever it might be, once you hit your profile page and click off, you're now coming through from a booking engine perspective as a trip connect or an instant book type. Right. Conversion. So you've lost the attribution back to this specific ad unit. Right. Yeah. And in, in our research, we have not found where you're able to attribute the fact that the person came from a sponsored position first. Yeah. So we've only been testing for a couple of weeks, but it, you know, I think the jury is still out, but we've also run into some shenanigans going on in this realm as well with certain other clients that are not participating, but are showing up in these positions as well. Yes. So our understanding initially of this program was to be in the sponsored positions area, you have to pay to play. It was typically, it looks like in this market, at least it was somewhere 
in the $1.90 to $2.15 per click range. So in looking at that and doing various screenshots and testing it, we started seeing other properties pop up. And I was surprised to see you know several properties pop up who aren't necessarily always on top of their game until one time we saw a property pop up that we were helping to manage and we knew they were not running on sponsored positions. Yeah, they were one of, they were one of the properties we definitely didn't turn on in that right. program. They're one of our controls. We were looking for <laughs> uh, you know a, an example of one of our properties that we are running for showing there and lo and behold there's a property that we know isn't paying for that position and gets that position. Yeah, so it's hard for us, one, one, when we're measuring and trying to track the impact of this, because that was, like you said, Pete, it's one of our control properties, part of the same property group that's actually running. So we end up, it, it's it's messing up our data. We're not really going to be able to see. But more importantly, it's like, why, why is TripAdvisor doing that? So e- either they're not, they don't have enough participants, right? So they've got to backfill it with randomos, or... And this is what, if, if you were being a little shady, you would probably want to do. They're looking at the math of which profile pages make them the most money, i.e. have the highest click cost conversion rate or the highest revenue per click that they're generating on Instant Booking or, or TripConnect. And they're favoring those guys at the top of the search results because they don't really care about the consumer. They care about making money. I, I don't know which it is, but it, I mean, the cynic in me is a little fearful that they're monkeying with, well, the, as, with the data as the properties who are paying for it and then you see someone who isn't that's i mean it makes me lose faith in TripAdvisor right away and that's right. just and unfair. if you know that there's a shot that you can be up there without paying well i'll prefer not to pay please if that's one of my choices yeah, but i guess you're not guaranteed the you know the volume at that point no but, you're not but the problem is i don't know how it's doing if I am paying. You don't know your impression share anyway, right? right? Mm-hmm. No, that, yeah. no, we do know impression share. We know okay. that there is, you know, in some cases, let me you know, pull the data up here. They're expecting that I will have up to, say, 300 clicks on my profile but do you and know, maybe 1,400 to 1,500 impressions. But do you know out of how many searches? Like, do you know what your potential is? Like, if you were there 100% of the time, what what would the potential number of clicks be? You can't even buy the potential number. Right. So they give you a very limited amount of impre- of clicks that you can even right. get. Yeah. So you choose, I want to spend A, B, or C. Mm-hmm. You know, one might be $12 a day, one might be 20 one might be $30 a day. Right. And that's it. It doesn't necessarily, it all, all it tells you is you'll get this many clicks, but you typically don't see the impressions until the reporting starts coming in. Yeah. So if, if, if you, TripAdvisor was smart, what they would do if they wanted more people to to jump onto this this spot is they would say rather than just showing a bunch of randomos to backfill or m- manipulating it to get the ones that make them the most money if they said okay we've got all these impressions you're going to purchase you set your you can't even set a daily cap on this right yeah no. okay you, you set a a daily spend oh you, okay but do they stick to it it looks like they do. Okay. Yeah, we pulled it after yes. about All right, so say and... say people go in there and put in their daily spend, and if you're spending over a certain amount, your daily spend's over, say, $200 a day, whatever it is, then those people are going to hit their daily cap, but then when they run out of paid advertisers, they backfill it with the advertisers, but for free. So they're basically mm-hmm. saying, if you're an early adopter, you're going to get a lot of advantage in this. There's going to be huge arbitrage going on, and you get the benefit 
because if if they were to say that today, that if you're a participant, you're essentially going to get a bunch of free impressions right now. I would get all my clients on it, right. but because it's limited right now and because of where it's going, I'm really reluctant. Until your clients have figured out whether or not it works, I'm not telling any of my clients to try it. I'm telling them let's let Pete's clients figure it out, <laughs> and then and then we'll do it. You know, so I don't know. I, I just feel like TripAdvisor is not thinking about this from the perspective of the hotelier. In honestly, from my perspective, it looks like we know TripAdvisor is struggling a little bit. And we know TripAdvisor is looking for a way to improve revenues and asking someone to up the ante by two bucks for a click and then charge them again. It Man, it looks like it's a cash grab. It's greedy, man. It's really greedy. I'm not a fan at all. I'm glad we're testing it. I want to have an objective opinion of it once the data kind of bears out. But it's limited what data we can see. It's going to be really hard. It's to... incredibly limiting. Now, yeah. I, now, it is good, and I, I still have a lot of faith in the program, if you are a top-notch property and you're having a hard time breaking the first page of the results. There's there's a lot of value there in being able to get your name out there, but it also helps a lot if you're a new property breaking into a market. I mean, when you start, you're if there's 200 properties in a destination and you join, you're 201. It's going to take a long time for you to crawl back up there. Mm-hmm. This could be a way to jumpstart, even though you know you're paying a little bit for just the, the branding aspect. Well, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm still just really concerned that you know we're testing this few properties but when they show someone who isn't really paying to be in the position say my two properties do very very well using using the sponsor placement and then i have a few other properties that do really really well i can't determine whether it was because of the sponsor placement because they, it, the sponsor placement was also given to the other properties in the group that mm-hmm. were doing well it's just it's so confusing yeah so let, let's kind of move on from this to the the other topic the the skift article so essentially TripAdvisor is completely reorganizing their internal structure. They're, they're going to a, a, a hotel-specific P&L, and they're trying to align the hot, whole hotel unit behind that, right? So kudos to TripAdvisor. They've done a really good job over the last 12 months updating their UI, making a better experience. But if you look over the last two or three years, they've struggled from a financial perspective because they've made, well, a couple of reasons. One, they've changed their business model by introducing things like this new ad unit or more importantly, uh, instant booking. But two, where they fall in the research ecosystem has fundamentally shifted over the last few years. Like how consumers use TripAdvisor is different today than it was back in the day when it used to be we validated our pre-existing decision at the end of our research funnel and then booked, right? At that point, TripAdvisor looked really, really profitable from an advertising perspective. It, it sits earlier in the funnel and mixed in with OTAs and, and portal sites and other property sites now. So it doesn't look as valuable because you have this end of funnel attribution bias that used to happen on TripAdvisor that doesn't happen so much anymore. So the value, perceived value from the hotels is a little different, so they're not necessarily spending as much. Some of our clients are probably spending, I don't know, twenty percent today of what they used to spend mm-hmm. on TripAdvisor at the peak four or five years ago. But we're probably having the same impact from TripAdvisor. We're just not measuring it the same way that we used to, right? Yeah, I mean, I was looking at some of our properties, two thousand sixteen 
for the entire year compared to 2017. And we're seeing more traffic from TripAdvisor. Mm -hmm. But I think the other problem is that TripAdvisor had is when you were seeing the thousand plus percent return on ad spends on a constant basis, because it was at the end of the funnel. Right. It was fake. It was, it was artificial attribution, right? But TripAdvisor saw that as well. And then they started jacking up the rate like crazy. Right. To where business listings are just insanely expensive compared to with what you get. Yeah. They started increasing the cost per click to a crazy amount. And then they started just injecting opportunity for a hotel to spend really before I think it was time for a hotel to spend. Yeah. And and I think the other big problem and why this potentially is a good thing for us, TripAdvisor is one of the most siloed companies I've ever worked with in my life in in you know and we work with google and google is pretty siloed but at TripAdvisor is even more siloed because you have this hotel unit but the people that run the business listings don't talk to to anyone else the people that run trip connect don't talk to the people that run instant booking the people that run in this new program don't talk to the you know they've got all these different competing ad units and it's not one sale and it's not one rep i'm dealing with multiple people that don't know what each other's talking about and don't communicate don't collaborate they're not looking out for me as a hotelier all they care about is that their specific ad unit is maximizing its revenue and that they're hitting their monthly sales goals and that that to me is a fundamental issue with TripAdvisor that has limited our willingness to spend more money and probably a lot of other people's as well and to Skiff's point this is what they need to be doing TripAdvisor needs to shake everything up and they let you know several of their you know key you know c-level executives go they've changed a ton of stuff around they've created a lot of new positions to try to to write this ship because they've got a lot of competition coming on with, with between Google, between the OTAs, TripAdvisor's offerings are not as unique right. as they were years ago. Yeah, they've got more competition. But even the products they have and sell today, sometimes they get in their own way. Like Phil, we've got a client right now that we're trying to spend money on TripAdvisor with. There's an issue. Yeah. And we can't get them to fix it. We can't get them to even give us a dignified response. We get automated nonsense responses. So and we spend a ton of money with TripAdvisor. A lot. And and the problem with this specific client is I'm not able to start them a new campaign for this year. And I can't set them a daily budget. TripAdvisor is not letting me give them money. It's it's absolutely crazy. So I email them about this problem and the response I get back is, We're aware. We have no timetable for your fix. Yeah. And wait, what? Like, and no. Keep in mind that you need to tell me that you know we're, you have you have a a day that you expect this to be done. I followed up with them a bunch of times and finally got. We'll update you next week. Not it's going to be fixed. Like let me give you this money. And here's the, this is the Y2K problem. This started January one at twelve oh one. We were running fine up until the end of the year, and then it just dropped off. Yeah, and it's probably not every client for every agency, but there's pro- we're probably not the only ones experiencing this. So how much, and this is this is distressed inventory, or it's, it's in, perishable in inventory, that they can never get that money back from us, right? Because those searchers, those people that would have clicked on our stuff and we would have paid them for, have already made their decision. So this perishable inventory that they could have been monetizing is now gone. That I mean, their January financials are going to be less because us and whoever else can't spend the money that we've already budgeted and wanted to spend in January. 
Get it together, TripAdvisor. Yeah. I mean, where, what are we going to do? Are we going to wait until February and then spend on TripAdvisor? No. What we're going to do is go invest it in other competitors like Google. Yeah. Let me just slide that into AdWords because I right. have this extra budget to spend and I know that probably the demand's probably out there right. still. Let's, let's do it. So TripAdvisor need, needs to get it together. So that, I, I really do like what I'm hearing that they're restructuring. I just hope that it's what they say. It ends up being what they say and that the hotel unit becomes more collaborative becomes more hotel centric and, and tries to look at it from a holistic perspective versus their little isolated silos. But I don't know. They've How many times have they re, reshuffled and repivoted? Mm-hmm. And it's, I don't know. Well, I, don't, I think the way that the article made it sound was that hotels was helping out the restaurants, the vacation rentals, the flights with the knowledge that they have gained. And basically what they're doing is taking hotels, putting it in its own bucket, and like to your point, bringing together your instant book teams, your trip connect teams, and having them actually work together instead of being spread. All right, so like business listings though, that's universal. Mm-hmm. So so does the hotel business, does the hotel vertical now, are they in charge of hotel business listings, but the restaurant division is in charge of restaurant business exactly. listings? Exactly, so I think that was the point of going into their own P&L they're not lumped into the rest but of the it. product side is different than the revenue side mm-hmm. right so they can segment and put it to a specific account but who's designing what people get and how it is presented to the consumer for the actual what a business listing is that's probably still a centralized product team hopefully not hopefully they're, they're separating it to the point where a, a business listing for a hotel is now different fundamentally different than a, a restaurant. I think it should I would be. hope that it, yeah. they're going that way. No, it's, it's interesting. You, we're going to have to keep an eye on it because TripAdvisor, whether you like them or love them or hate them, they're an important part of the ecosystem. I personally think that, and we've said this on the show many, many times, I think they want to get purchased at some point. I think that would have happened a year or two ago had their financial situation not been what it was and had they not been beholden to shareholders you know this is a publicly traded company that you know they're answering to all these owners and revenue is driving their decisions versus creating a great kick-ass hotel advertiser and consumer experience which they should be but if they can turn this around and show new revenue models which is why they're throwing out these new advertising options if they can get their revenue up and show that they're fixing it, I think Priceline's going to come in and swoop, swoop and purchase them. They're definitely setting themselves up for for changes. I mean, I know we talked, you know, several months ago in the podcast how TripAdvisor had quietly updated their sea level compensation packages, which made it more beneficial to buyouts. We're seeing that they've completely restructured from a C suite perspective, and we're seeing that. You know, on the boots on the ground perspective, they're adding new ad units and they're changing how the current existing ad units work. There's a lot changing, so I wouldn't be surprised if something happens. I just hope one of the things that changes is they get much better customer support because it is terrible. Yeah. I, I have to say I'm pretty upset with them in the past couple months. Well, Kip, Phil and I were talking earlier today about how Google has been so responsive when we have issues and now TripAdvisor is not. So if you're going and comparing yourself to Google and Google looks awesome, mm-hmm. you know you got. <laughs> yeah, I have to say our, our hotel ads guys have been killing it on the responses yes. lately. So I know you probably don't listen to yet, but thank you. Yeah, Google's been doing well from a customer service perspective. Yeah, for sure. They're, they're still siloed though. You know, AdWords and mm-hmm. GHA not talking to each other. Um, 
But yeah, so I mean, TripAdvisor, something is definitely afoot. I think we will continue to cover it, obviously, on the show. But go check out the Skift article. We'll link to that. Go check out Pete's blog on the new ad unit. And we'll update you, too, on our results from our testing mm-hmm. as well. And if anyone else is testing that, we'd love to hear from you. We'd love to hear how, how it's performing. Yeah. And, and I would also say this, that we, we definitely dogged on TripAdvisor a fair amount today. We're still seeing a very good positive return on ad spend on our overall TripAdvisor campaigns. It's still performing and it's still one of those things where you've got to be there because it does deliver really, really good return on your investment. Yeah. I mean, it's people use it, right? How many people do you know that don't use TripAdvisor when they're doing some form of research? At some point, it's a touch point, whether it's the biggest or, or just a small one, doesn't really matter. The fact is it influences people's decision. Any channel where it influences a consumer's purchase decision, you want to have a presence as long as it's profitable and you're not losing money from it. And TripAdvisor, you definitely make money. It's not the same kind of ROI that used to be measured through last click analytics, which was you know, not the best attribution model anyway, but it's still a positive return in our experience and you should absolutely be investing in TripAdvisor. And if you need help with that, give us a shout. You can reach out at info at fueltravel.com and you know, we can offer advice or we can manage campaigns for you as well. So yeah, TripAdvisor. So let, let's, <laughs> are we done with TripAdvisor? That pretty much right uh, does everything we need to do with TripAdvisor. All right, so let's do a an, an new segment, which was last week's episode. We did the, um, the holiday wish list from some of our faithful listeners and industry experts. So we're going to sprinkle a few of that. We have a bunch to get through. So we're just going to do one or two, a, two an episode. So let's, let's do the next one on the list. All right. Uh, next one on the list is from Patrick Norton. Uh, he says, my next goal is to maximize spend while guests are at our resorts. I would like a more effective tool for guests to purchase from all on-site vendors, similar to Disney wristbands. The hope would be that it came with itemized reporting, allowing us to track guest vacation purchase trends and more effectively market to them the following year. Yeah, I think that's a, that's a great wish. And again, Patrick, full disclosure, is one of our clients. But I, I think... It's, it's a missed opportunity right now. You know, in, in a world where margins are thinner than ever, competition is higher than ever, our room revenue is, is just, it, it's not going to make you the profit margins you used to make just from room revenue. It's smart to leverage the information and the technology you have today to find ways to not only make more money from your guests by offering them additional services and upgrades and things, but also improve their experience so that they have a more memorable, great experience at your property and want to come back again and again. It's not that hard today with the technology and the data available to sell people more stuff and make them appreciate you more for doing so. Well, they do a great job. Patrick and his properties do a great job at getting return visitors. Mm-hmm. And he's really just trying to maximize that with, with this type of thinking. I love it. Yeah. And, and they're using our um, Guest Express mobile app technology. And they're having a lot of success with that in terms of the check-ins, check-outs. But, you know, we're pushing them as well to start doing more upsells and cross-sales. And while, while guests are on property, the fact that if you have their contact information, whether it's a mobile phone number or you can get them to download, 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 download your applications, you really can drive that guest experience and drive the revenue by educating them on what is available, giving them exclusivity, making them feel special, giving them prioritization. And it's win-win, right? If they're spending more money but having a better time, everyone's happy at the end of the day. It's a better relationship. Well, and that's the key word there is 
you know, educating the guest. We know that everybody eats breakfast every day. So if we have breakfast on property, we want to make sure we're doing everything we can to have that guest eat breakfast with us. We can save them money by, you know, if you're here five days, you pay for four days worth of breakfast, whatever the scheme you put together to to get the sale. But at the end of the day, the customer has better experience. They're giving us more money. We're getting more money, but we're also being able to be more hospitable and help that guest really enjoy themselves. Yeah. And then the other part of what he said was making that experience better was something like Magic Man. And and mm-hmm. I'm surprised that technology hasn't become more prevalent. I, I'm pretty sure there are vendors out there. And I've talked to a few of our hotels. You know, we don't really get on the, the operation side, but we've often encouraged folks to look at that kind of technology. As someone that's been to Disney and, and being the victim, I would say, of the, the Magic mm-hmm. Band blessing and curse, it's just a phenomenal thing. Like, I... I I loved and hated it at the same Give time. Give me a quick explanation. I've never seen it. So the magic band is essentially, it's tied to my folio. It's it's a plastic wristband that goes on. It's got, um, I don't know if it's NFC technology or low light Bluetooth, but it's some kind of near field you know, communication type thing where all of their point of sale systems are tied to it. So if at any point I go to a restaurant, I go to a, a, a store and I want to buy anything, I don't have to pull out a credit card. They don't have to know any information about me. I just tap my wrist on the point of sale system and the transaction. Disney-specific Inclu- Apple Pay kind of thing? Yeah, it's, it's, it's including your room key and everything. Oh, it's yeah, your it, it, Yeah, so oh, it goes cool. beyond. So it's it's how I get in my room. It's how I purchase stuff. It's how I get like fast passes and stuff like that. It's how they log data on me about what rides I've ridden, things like that. Every ride, I have to touch it so they know it's me. And my kids get them too. So they, they're aggregating so much data on me and my behavior, my purchases while I'm on stage. How old your kids are, when they should yeah, be. Yeah, so they already have yeah. that personal information from the PMS, yeah. right? And then they're tying that to my behavioral profile. And they're creating, like, it, it's so much marketing data that can potentially, they can now send me emails personalized to what I bought and what rides I did. And, you know, there's so much potential. So well, we talked about siloing being a problem with Google and with TripAdvisor. It's also a problem from a hotel perspective because I think the big thing that's stopping hotels from doing that is the silos where your restaurant separate right. from your front desk is separate from right yeah. your fmb's point of sale system does not match your yep. front desk's uh pms system and and that's what we run into in most of the hotels is they don't talk to each other so it can't be seamless yeah, yeah it's crazy it's 2018 right there's, there's no excuse for that every, every every piece of software you have should talk to every other piece of software and if it doesn't then you need new software yeah. you know there, there's no reason that they shouldn't be communicating and speaking of which, I'm going to go on a little segue. So we're getting ready to do a new travel study. We usually do a couple a year. We're doing a new one with um, Stay in Touch and uh, Flip2. And it's basically a, tra- a, a technology study. So we're trying to understand the perception of current technology in the hospitality industry, what needs it's meeting, where, the, where it's falling short from a hotelier perspective, but also taking a look at it from the vendor perspective and trying to understand, you know, are we in alignment? Do the vendors in the hoteliers see the same trends? Do they see the same opportunities? Do they see the same needs? Um, so it's it's going to be a really interesting study. We're really not sure what's going to come out of it. You know, all three of us are in the tech space. We've all been around in the industry for a long time. So we've got a lot of knowledge and experience. But this is the first time we've really taken a step back and we're going to ask the entire hospitality industry, vendors, 
So suppliers, vendors, and the hoteliers, what they think, and it's completely, you can make it completely anonymous. You don't have to give us your information, but if you do give us your email address when you're filling out the content, we're not gonna hit you up for marketing. That's not what this is about, but we will send you a copy of the study when it's done. So if you're interested, if you would like to participate in this survey that we're putting out to, to perform the study, then you can get to it at fueltravel.com slash tech slash T-E-C-H. That's going to redirect you to a survey, Gizmo survey. takes about four or five minutes to fill out, but it's going to ask you, I don't know, 10, 15 questions about your technology providers or if you are a technology provider about your solutions, things like that. There's different, slightly different questions if you're a hotelier versus a vendor, but most of them are the same. And uh, we would love your feedback. So go take some time. We'll link to that again in the show notes, but it's fueltravel.com slash tech. And we'll start promoting that in email and social and stuff next week as well. And if you want to and you have the ability to share it, we would love for you to share it out to your audience as well and let everyone know. We want as many people to fill out the survey as possible because it's really going to help. Well, that's how we'll get the best data. So Yeah, and it'll help. You know, we're going to put... The, help us help you. And we're going to put the public the data out publicly so everyone can get... You know, we're not going to lock it behind closed doors. You don't have to pay to get this, this information. It's going to be publicly available information whatever we find and you know hopefully it'll benefit everyone in the industry so we also had a question this week Pete. Da, da, da. we just got a question we, we just got, got a question, question. We, we just got, got a question. question i wonder who it's from hey now uh, misha's not here phil so that means you've got to do your blues clues impression i don't have a blues clues Up impression all right pete did it for you thanks you're pete good. you're welcome so. You don't have kids, so you've probably never no. watched Blue's Clues, right? Misha doesn't have kids either, but she somehow has watched Blue's Clues. She, she's, she's slightly younger than me. She is. All right, so what's, anyway, who's this, the question from? So this question is from, and I apologize if I mispronounce your name, but it's Selim. Spell it. S-E-L-I-M. Okay, we'll go with Selim. Okay, and his question is, hello all. I've been listening to your podcast and find it very helpful. Thank you very much for all you have, all your input so far. I have two questions I'd like to hear your comments. One, if a hotel wants to reach bigger audiences, would you recommend recommend demand-side platforms to buy display locations? If SSP is any good, can you tell, of course, uh, which ones you'd recommend? From a hotel and agency, which would you promote on different countries and markets? So, uh, excuse me. And which... Uh, this is why we make you read them out. Yes. Because you're terrible at reading them out. <laughs> I'm a, not a good reader. Uh, hotels and agencies which want to promote on different countries and markets sometimes need more input than just Facebook and Google ads. Are DSPs the answer? All right, so that's question one. So let's do that and then we'll go on to question two. So DSP, what is that, Pete? Display service provider. Okay, so we're basically talking about programmatic display advertising, right? right? So this this big exchange and, and bidding, automated programmatic machine learning bidding where you can say, I want to I want to buy ads and I want to target these specific types of people and you don't really know wh wh what websites that's going on. It's really targeting people at the level. So you've got the, the service or the supply side and then you've got the display side, right? So we as advertisers will be on the display side. So that's what we're really talking about. It's, it's a complicated way of saying display advertising, targeting people based on behavior or demographics at a cheaper cost than it used to be when we used to go to you know the ad exchanges in they we would pick specific sites that we wanted to be on and stuff like that the programmatic tends to be cheaper cost per impression stuff like that mm -hmm. yeah, I mean, it's definitely a cheaper cost per impression but the question becomes 
what is your ROAS going to be? Because we've always found from a display perspective, it's been pretty limiting. And it's typically what we found to be better to make sure you're maximizing your existing channels, your email, your social, your more traditional PPC on face on Google or Bing or whomever. But I'd also say go beyond that and make sure you're making the most of those platforms as it relates to other platforms. You know, so are you uploading your email database to Facebook to find those right customers? Are you creating the right profiles and doing the right things to make and squeeze every piece of, you know, or every, I guess what, every ju- piece of juice you can get out of an orange? I don't know, something. <laughs> That's a good analogy. All the yeah, juice you can squeeze? Yes, yeah. all the juice you can squeeze. Yeah, I agree 100%. I think this, I'm not, I want to be clear. I'm not saying display does not work. I have severe reservations about display for a couple of reasons, whether it's any kind of display, remarketing, programmatic, any of that stuff. I feel like, one, the metrics are a little bit misleading. A lot of times, if you're using a third party, they're going to give you data that looks really compelling, great ROAS, or, or even give you a you know give you a deal where you're only paying a percentage of the bookings you quote-unquote get from them. But there's no real tangible tie back to the original person. Maybe they did see an ad, but that doesn't mean that they. Re- that means that it was on their screen for yeah, a couple of seconds, right? That doesn't mean that they actually it had an impact on them or a meaningful impact on them. So to take 100% attribution from that is is questionable at best. So so I think if you're going to do display, you got to you got to feel comfortable about your attribution model and use that versus whatever the the provider is telling you. But like Pete said, I think more importantly, you've got 150,000 things that you need to do first before you spend a dime on or or a penny or a rupee or whatever currency you're in before you spend anything on display you got to maximize all these other things and do a hundred other things. I think I want to do an episode of the podcast soon where we talk about like, here are the 10 things you should do. And each of us kind of write down the top 10 mm-hmm. things you should do and compare notes. I think that would be kind of cool. But there's certainly a lot of things. I have not come across a hotel that has infinite budget. Have you guys? <laughs> nope. Nope. Yeah. When, when we do, I would say go all in on programmatic. But until that point, you cannot spend enough money on... Google AdWords in the right way, on Facebook advertising in the right way, on you know your email marketing, on your website, on your booking engine, on all these things that we know work really well. You know, you could any I can spend anyone's budget on all those things more effectively than I can on caveat. It's very good for, for a brand new property for brand awareness purposes. It, it can be right, and and you we're probably a little different than the norm in terms of the industry because a lot of agencies really are big fans of programmatic and will tell you it's the best thing since sliced bread. I personally think that that is a little disingenuous. I think one. They're, they're relying too heavily on the platform or the provider's metrics because it looks really good on the vanity metric side. But two, as an agency, it would be really easy for Fuel to say, we're going to take all your money and dump it all into programmatic because I have to do a whole lot less work than I do on AdWords or GHA or TripAdvisor. It's a lot less cost for me to do that, but I can probably charge the same or more margins because the industry standard on media placement like that is like 15, 20% margin. So I could charge 15, 20% on that versus 15, 20% margin on PPC and just set it and forget it and Mm -hmm. not really have to do a whole lot. So from an agency perspective, if your agency is ramming display down your throat, 
and, and you're sitting here listening to us saying you should not be putting a lot of money in display, you got to question who your agency is looking out for. Are they looking out for you and the best way to spend your money or are they looking out for their profitability? And I'd ask the question and you know, put in Melissa's voice, always be testing. If you do think that display has merits, put a little bit of your budget into it, but really monitor, I mean, like Stuart said, really closely with your own attribution models. And if your agency is really pushing you on, you know, going into a display campaign, make sure that they understand what your return on ad spend is for your other markets and get a good understanding that all of your marketing is using the same attribution method. Yeah. And and what I would try to do is if you can tie it back, right? So some of those, those are going to be click throughs, which I think are more legitimate, but if you can tie, find a way to tie the actual bookings to the people that saw the ads and look at it over multiple years, if you're doing it and see if they're repeat visitors, if they're not like that, that might paint another little perspective for you of the value as well. So I'm not saying display is terrible. I'm not saying it doesn't work. I think it does in the right verticals and it does in the right scenario with the right type of property. But on average, we we don't recommend Mm -hmm. it strongly to our clients. So his next question, this one's a kind of a, more straightforward question here. What are the best ways to track click buttons to online booking widget book now buttons and clickable telephone numbers on hotel page? Okay. So there's a couple of ways to interpret yeah. that first part, right? To, to, to track the actual click of the button is, is one interpretation to track all the way through to conversion is the other interpretation. So let's do both of those just in case. So, so the first one being tracking a physical click on a physical element, whether that's a, a button on a booking engine or from your site to a booking engine, or whether that's a click to call on a, you know, on a mobile website. Mm-hmm. What's the best way to track that? Yeah. So this is very often forgotten when you're building your analytics and you're getting your setup put in place, but it's very easy to do. And using event tracking within Google Analytics, I'm assuming in this case you're using Google Analytics, there's the same platform though, if it's Adobe Analytics or whatever platform you might be using. But for event tracking, it's very simple. And what you do is you're basically going to create a little snippet that's gonna go on that button, or if you're using Google Tag Manager, it works a little bit differently. That way, every time a button is clicked, it's going to record as an event within your analytics. It even goes beyond just a click. You can do it to where it scrolls past a certain area. Whatever you want to record, you can set it up. It can as rollovers. There's there's any kind of event, right. any behavior you can pretty much track in events. In uh, you know, if you're using just regular universal analytics, like you said, it's like a little it's like a little attribute on the URL itself, JavaScript, which a developer would use to do. But I encourage everyone to go and and invest the time and the energy in understanding and installing Google Tag Manager because it makes stuff like this so much easier down the road where mm-hmm. you can add events through the back end of tag manager. You don't have to have a developer involved adding tags to your, your site anymore. Drop the tag manager code in. It sees the data layer and all the objects on your site and you can build the tracking that you want the events and the conversions and all that yeah. fun stuff. So that's how you would do it. If you just want to see who clicked on a button or who clicked on a click to call phone number. Right. But let's go beyond that now. Yeah. Because that, that t- doesn't really tell you a whole lot. How many clicks you get to a, on a button isn't really like you're not in the business of button clicks, right? You don't, you can't cash out button clicks. You can't deposit button clicks or phone call clicks 
into the into your bank account. What you're really interested in is someone actually transacting, either picking up the phone and, and making a reservation or they're clicking on the booking button, going to your booking engine and making a reservation. So that that's really the, the number you want to be measuring on top of those clicks. So how do you do that? Right. So the next step is to make sure that your analytics platform is configured properly from the time the person comes to the website all the way through to the booking engine, through the booking engine to the confirmation page. And that can be done with what's called linker code that will help tie your sessions from point A to point B to point C and so on. What that lets you do is so often we see hotels see customers come in, see them go to the booking engine, but then all attribution is lost the moment they switch domains from hotel.com to hotel.bookingengine.com. Yeah. There's a couple of ways to fix this, right? One is you can switch to our booking engine, to Guest Desk, which Fuel Travel does, because it's embedded in your URL. You don't have that cross-domain tracking issue. It goes away magically because we're awesome like that. But the other way is, like you said, the linker code. So it's basically telling Google that your website domain and your booking engine domain are one site. You have to, anytime someone clicks from one of those two to the other, so either from your website to your booking engine or from your booking engine back to your website, you need to, that link has to have the little tag on it, which is called linker code, which passes in the URL the actual client ID of the individual so that they can say that this is Pete going from one site to another. We're going to continue to keep his session. If you don't do that, it causes a few really big major problems. One of which is you're going to see a lot of direct traffic coming into your booking engine. So if you look at your analytics and you see a lot of entries to the booking engine, like a lot, there's probably a problem. If you see that your booking engine or your website is one of your top referrers, that's probably another telltale time, a sign that you're not doing this. And then, you know, ultimately what it's doing is it's losing the attribution of the original source of your traffic. So if someone comes from organic search or pay-per-click or, or TripAdvisor, wherever, and comes to your site, you don't have the linker code. They click to your booking engine. Now, Google sees that as a new session. It's, it, it doesn't correlate that that new person in the booking engine came from TripAdvisor or PPC. It's now a direct click or a referrer from, from your website, and you've lost... All the, all the knowledge you could have gained from your marketing spend and what's working and what's not. Yep. So we'll, we'll put a link in the show notes, um, which you can get at fueltravel.com slash podcast. Click on episode 74. If you go there, you can. we'll put links into one, how to set up event tracking, and two, how to set up um, linker code. I think Melissa did a really good article, blog article. Yeah, she did about, uh, about, uh, about six months ago. It's called okay. Three Steps to Ensure Your Booking Engine Tracks Correctly in Google Analytics. Okay. And in, that have everything you need to I think know. in there, there's another deeper link to to an even older linker code setting up thing. But yeah, so we'll put both of those in, in, in the show notes. The other part of the question was the phone tracking, right? So how does one track revenue on the phone? Um, one of the best ways you can do that is having a dedicated phone number for a certain avenue. Um, if you have, like we use one sometimes specifically for AdWords or something like that where someone might come in through a dedicated phone number. But mm -hmm. that's, that's just another, another way to know. You, you, don't, you don't have to know just how many times your phone rang, but which specific number rang, and then you can attribute revenue through it that way. Yeah, so we, we work with, a, there's a lot of vendors out there that have the actual 
cool they they you can um you can get the unique numbers from either your local telco or like a navis or an aspect or someone like that or um who's the up resorts and lodges have a product Mm -hmm. too right i forget what it's called track track pulse Mm -hmm. is that what it's called um so there's a a lot of vendors out there that let you actually get different numbers so that you can segment campaigns but then the trick is making sure that your website and your booking engine shows dynamic numbers so you've got to tie that together so that when someone comes from TripAdvisor or when someone comes from adwords that there's some kind of url variable going to your website that will automatically change the phone number consumer doesn't know it's a different phone number all they see is a phone number and then but you know when they call that number that they came from a specific campaign and then when you're measuring roas return on ad spend for any of your campaigns you should never be looking just at online revenue but also looking at the the phone revenue as well because obviously that's just as important and in a lot of cases 50 percent of bookings are still coming in over the phone yeah so hopefully that answered the question yeah it was a great question we love those so if anybody else has other questions send them our way we love to dive in and, and yeah we've you. been getting i feel like we've been getting a lot of questions uh recently and a lot of reviews and if we asked answered your question today wink wink nudge nudge then we would really appreciate it if you went to leave a review for us on iTunes, which you can do from the podcast app on your phone and then go and leave a review. So anyone can do that. But if you ask a question, we answer it. Hey, quid pro quo, my friend, quid pro quo. <laughs> Is that a little needy? No. Okay. I think that's fair. Yeah. Right? We, you know what we should do? We should, do uh, we should hold out. Like if you submit a question, we're not going to answer the question until you leave us a review. Okay. That would be, that would be that works. Ask we'll your, test it. That would be what TripAdvisor would do. Ask your questions in the review. Oh, there you go. There you That's go. the only oh, way you can submit thing. submit questions. Yeah. No, don't do that. Just tell us how great we are because that's how we get our ego stroked and that's how our self-esteem grows and that's what makes us sleep at night. So please leave a review. <laughs> Good episode, guys. Thanks, Pete, for putting this one together. I think uh, we kind of covered TripAdvisor and covered some other stuff so if you want the show notes to today's show you can get them at fueltravel.com slash podcast click on episode 74 we we don't have misha here this week so we don't have a dad joke damn yeah i know you're looking at each other like can i think of a dad joke really quickly that's not offensive should have prepared never mind so pete hey where can they find you on the web they can find me on twitter at p demayo p d-i-m-a-i-o and Philip can reach me at P F O R I S K A. And you know what? People have been reaching out to some of us. It's been pretty neat. We've been getting more and more correspondence on Twitter and people asking questions like just or commenting on episodes, which has been really nice. So we'd, we'd love to hear from you. We do re- try to respond to everyone whenever we can. So if you, if you do reach out to one of us, we, we will do our best. You can reach me at Stuart Butler, S T U A R T B U T L E R. You can reach us collectively at fuel travel again notes are at fueltravel.com slash podcast episode 74 and then when you have some time please go fill out the technology study survey which is fueltravel.com slash tech and until next time you have been listening to the fuel hotel marketing podcast why do chicken coops have two doors I don't know why chicken coops have two doors. Because if if they had four, they'd be called chicken sedans. Oh, my goodness. (laughs) I want Misha back. (laughs) I got one.
I used to wonder why frisbees looked bigger the closer they came. Then it hit me. <laughs> that one's better than mine. <laughs> I like that one. I still want me to be. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's got dad joke queen right there. 